Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts already today. We thank you for the work that you are doing. And we thank you in advance for what the power of your word will do to each one of us today. As we look at your word and we, we put ourselves in a posture to hear your voice, we pray uh, that not only you, you speak loud and clear to us, but that you would prepare our hearts to hear your voice. Pray that you would use me today as your messenger to communicate words that would break the chains and that we would be set free by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you in the name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. Amen. When you pray, forgive. There was a button in a shop, tourist shop that it said, uh, to err is human. To forgive is out of the question. <laughs> forgive. There's an issue that we must make sure that we're aware of, and that is that we have the ability of stifling the effects of our prayers. Turn with me to Mark 11, and uh, we're going to read just a few verses there. And I want to talk about the topic of forgiveness. If you've been around here a while, you may have heard me speak on this topic. This is one of the few topics that I don't mind repeating uh, over time and because I believe it's such an important topic as it, as it relates to get people getting free. Mark 11, chapter 20, if you wouldn't mind standing with me while I read from the uh, English Standard Version. The, the back story is that Jesus has cursed a fig tree uh, in verse 12. And as we skip down to 20, it says, As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Now that literally there means have the faith of God. Uh, which is important. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Now, some of your, some of the manuscripts right there say, believe that you are receiving it and it will be yours. And whenever you, here's the key verse, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. Everybody say forgive. forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. You can be seated. Jesus talks a lot about our forgiving people so that we, so that we're set free or our forgiving people. Matthew, when he, when those disciples said, teach us how to pray. And part of his teaching them how to pray was to say, and forgive us our debts, as we have also have forgiven our debtors. We'll come back to that. But there's a key there. And the key in, in Mark is when you stand praying, forgive. Because you want your trespasses forgiven. And if you can't or won't, forgive others their trespasses, you clog up the blessing pipeline. And you don't want to do that.
A Sunday school teacher had just concluded her lesson and wanted to make sure she had made her point. She said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? There was a short pause, and then from the back of the room, a small boy spoke up and said, sin. (laughs) You can't get forgiveness of sin until you sin. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so... I think every one of us in this room kind of say, oh, me. Forgiveness or unforgiveness is, is such an issue. Are there hindrances to your gaining victory in the Lord Jesus? And you can't seem to identify them. Are there, are there, are there blockages in your life and you don't know what causes them? Uh, is it possible for you to embrace all the kingdom qualities outlined in the scriptures and somehow be prevented from touching them fully. Your wheels are turning. Is it possible that you could be trapped inside what Bob Mumford calls an invisible shield that keeps you from experiencing full freedom in the Lord? Is there... Is there an invisible shield that you could be trapped in that would keep you from breaking the chains and from exercising full liberty? And then if that's possible, is it possible to remove the invisible shield? Is it it possible to get set free outside of that bubble, which is not a good bubble, that keeps you from touching all that God has for you? Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. This is why Paul writes in Ephesians 4, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Do you see the, you see that? Go, go, yeah, there we go. Forgiving each other as God has forgiven you. There's a key there. And so we want to talk just for a few minutes about forgiveness. What is it? What is the definition of forgiveness. Well, the the verb is to it means to send away. To send away. The noun is similar, it means a dismissal or a release, to release someone. Um, the root word there in Ephesians four is the word charis, which is where we get our word grace. And so some in some ways forgiveness is issuing grace to someone uh, in your life. Chuck Colson tells a story about a Mrs. Washington who, during a graduation ceremony for inmates, completing a prison fellowship program, swept to the stage to wrap her arms around a graduating inmate, declaring, this young man is my adopted son. Everyone had tears in their eyes, for they knew that this young man was behind those bars for the murder of Mrs. Washington's daughter. Forgiveness is to send away the debt that that young man owed her, she dismissed and sent it away. And not only that, but she embraced him. You say, say, I don't think I could do that. You don't know what you can do when the grace of God comes on you, when you're faced with a situation. 
some observations about forgiveness. Just go through these and none of these are exhaustive. First of all, forgiveness is an act of our will and it's not the result of an emotion or feeling. You can't wait till you feel like it, especially if you've been wronged. And, I, you know, I started to say, if you've been wrong, raise your hand, but that's everybody. It's not about how we feel or emote. It's, a, it's about making a decision. One outstanding example of this has occurred when Corey Ten Boom, and we're going to talk hear from her later, met a former Nazi officer who had abused her and her sister during imprisonment, assisting in the death of other prisoners. He told her he had become a Christian, and he proceeded to ask Corey to forgive him. As he reached out his hand toward her, Corey resisted. Then, in obedience to God, in other words, she didn't feel like it. She just, she just said, this is a decision that I've made. In obedience to God, she extended her hand towards him. And when they touched, she felt the surge of the Holy Spirit pour through her in a supernatural act of forgiveness. We can't wait till we... Till we feel like it, we do it because it's right. Which means, which comes to the second thing, it's an exercise in obedience. It, it, we must forgive because God, our Father, tells us we must. Now, sometimes we just need to get over our Western mindset and get over our resisting anybody telling us what to do and submit ourselves to God the Father. Trust and obey, as we've sung earlier. Sometimes we just need to get over that and do something because God says do it, even if we don't understand it. But forgiveness is something that he tells us to do. Also, now listen real carefully. Forgiveness, or you can read real carefully. I don't remember what I put up there. Forgiveness is not dependent on evidence. They will never wrong us again. Because many times we are willing to forgive someone if they promise us, they'll never do it again. And they do promise. But our forgiveness is dependent upon them never doing it again, and it can't be. We don't forgive because they are right. Or even because they're wrong. We just forgive because that's what God God calls us to do. C- coach Bill McCartney was the coach of the U- University of Colorado. They won the national championship. He's also the co-founder with James Ryle of the Promise Keepers. And he's one of the contributors to the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. And he, along with Raleigh Washington, I don't have a screen for this, just listen. Uh, they say, it is forgiveness is an act in which one person releases another from an offense. Refusing to enact the penalty due him or her. Refusing to sustain consideration of the cause of the offense and refusing to allow that offense to affect the relationship. Such forgiveness releases one from a sense of unresolved guilt, restores a clear conscience, and restores relationship. Now listen to the next part. To forgive is not to condone the sin as acceptable. You know, this kind of message uh, brings up a lot of what I call what about? What about him? What about that? What about when? What about, what about, what about? Leave your what abouts aside for right now. To forgive is not to condone the sin as acceptable to say it made no difference or to license repetition of it. Rather, forgiveness is a choice. A decision 
made to no longer hold an offense against another person or group. It's not about excusing. It's not about licensing for them to do it again. It's about being obedient to God and you forgive them because you're supposed to forgive them and you want to get set free. Forgiveness is also a promise. What you're saying when you forgive someone, when you issue forgiveness, you're saying, I will not hold this against you in the future. Therefore, I release. Everybody say release. release. I release you from this debt. I release you from what you owe me. Now, if they have truly wronged you and done you wrong, they are indebted to you. And what you're doing is you're saying, take out the ledger. We're going to eliminate the debt. You no longer owe me that debt. And somebody just has some whatabouts running through their mind. So the next question is, why must we forgive? Well, I've said this before, but first of all, because God forgave and forgives us. Is that up there? Let's read that together. Because God forgave and forgives us. God forgave us and he still forgives us. And he hadn't stopped and he won't stop. And because God forgives us and forgave us, we must forgive other people. Unless we think we're so much better than them that we deserved the forgiveness. I think not. Daniel 9 says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. In a dream, Martin Luther found himself being attacked by Satan. The devil unrolled a long scroll containing a list of Luther's sins and held it before him. On reaching the end of the scroll, Luther asked the devil, is that all you got? No, came the reply, and a second scroll was thrust in front of him. Then, after a second, came a third. And now the devil had no more. Luther said, you've forgotten something. Quickly write on each one of your scrolls, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins. How many scrolls would the devil have on you or me if we had that dream? Don't say. Don't say. The blood of Jesus. Because God is forgiveness. Another reason we got to forgive, and I've touched on it earlier, is that we cannot fully enjoy the fruits and victory of our salvation without ministering that same salvation to others. We want to receive all the salvation God has for us. And I'm, I'm talking about beyond being born again, but we continue to receive his deliverance, his sozo in our life. But we want to receive that without ministering that to others who have truly wronged us. And we can't. Going back to Jesus' teaching on... It's interesting that when Jesus taught on the, uh, the what we call the Lord's Prayer, he went through... The, uh, all of the things, kingdom, forgiveness, and everything. When he got done, what, which one did he return to? He could have returned to thy kingdom come. He could have returned to our Father who is in heaven. All of those are important. But the one thing Jesus returns to to instruct them is Matthew six fourteen. For if, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You say, what does that mean? It means exactly what it says. 
If we want to, if we want to block God's favor, then all we got to do is not issue forgiveness to someone who has truly wronged us. Who <laughs> is quiet in here? I, I'm not going to turn, but you'll, you'll see the reference Matthew 18, and this is the parable of the unmerciful servant. And there's a guy who owes his master. The Bible says he owes him ten thousand talents. Now, one talent, do the math, one talent is one year's wages. So he owes him 10,000 talents, and if my math is correct, that's 200,000 years worth of wages that he owes his master. Got a suspicion that he was never going to be able to pay that back. And he pleaded with the master, and the master said, okay, give me your forgiven. You don't owe me anything. Now be set free. The same guy goes out and finds a guy who owes him a one day's wages. Not one year, not 200,000 years, but one day's wages. Finds the guy who owes him and he begins to choke him and said, you owe me one day's wages. Give me that. Give me my denarii. And he locked the guy up because he wouldn't pay him and couldn't pay him. The first master found out about it and he says, bring that guy to me. And he got before him and he said, I forgave you all of that, but you couldn't give forgive him. Now, take this guy and lock him up. You know where he went? He went into the invisible shield. He went into prison. When we refuse to issue forgiveness to those who have wronged us, we are put in prison. It's called an invisible shield. I'm not saying we're cut off from salvation or we're cut off from heaven, but we're cut off from being able to hear the chains hit the floor. And we've, we're wrapped up in bondage. And you've heard this. I wish this was original with me. It's not. Holding unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die because we think that if we hold on to this unforgiveness... Or if we, if we release them, they're going to be free. But the truth is, we can't be free until we release them. In 2015, a young man walked into a church in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and killed a bunch. Dylan Roof. One of the people he killed was a lady by the name of Cynthia Hurd. Her husband said to this young man through the media, I would love to hate you. But hate's not in me. If I hate you, I'm no better than you. If we won't issue forgiveness, we're no better than the one who did us wrong. I hear you. What about? What about him? What about them? What about when? What about? Three basic things that keep us from forgiving. One is a struggle for existence. A struggle for existence. And when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden and thorns came into the garden, from that time forward, we've been looking out for number one. It's in, it's in our, in our human carnal nature that we look out for number one. Take care of ourselves. Nobody, nobody's going to toot my horn, so I need to toot my own horn. Nobody's going to protect me, so I need to protect myself. We take an adversarial position, and we're always ready to strike back. 
we feel like that we have to assume this position and struggle for our own existence. And if anyone violates our, our circle, we, we strike back because we have to struggle for our own existence. We don't trust God. And the need that we have for self-justification is an indicator that we feel we must struggle to maintain ourselves in our own existence. In other words, I can't let anybody get the upper hand on me. I can't let anybody get one over on me. I've always got to be right. Now, if that sounds too familiar, in just a few minutes, we're going to have the worship team come back up, and we're going to let you come forward and repent of that. Or not. Another thing is a desire for revenge, or as Barney Fife spells it, R-E-V-E-N-G. Listen to this verse, or two verses, or read them actually. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see it, and he'll be displeased, and turn his anger away from him. Do we do that? Sure we do that. If we've got a beef with someone or we've got some issue with somebody and something happens to them, they have a flat tire, their kid gets sick or who, who knows what, part of us said, yeah, you deserve that. You, you got what you deserved. I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. I hope you're tracking. Because when we rejoice in the calamity of someone that we feel has wronged us, Saints, that keeps us inside that invisible shield. We must renounce damaged joy. Everybody say damaged joy. Now, Louis can say it in German, but I can't. Don Basham was the first person I ever heard use that term. We must renounce damaged joy to be able to forgive. In other words, we must renounce our joy at their damage. We observe something bad happening to those we consider against us, and we go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. If we do that, we're still inside the invisible shield. And a third thing is the demand for justice. I can't forgive because I have to see justice done. Or I'm afraid if I forgive them, they're going to get off the hook. They're going to get set free from this thing. They're they're not going to see justice Like we are called to be the judge. (laughs) Forgiveness is agreeing to get out of the way and let the, leave the justice to the issuer. And you see that's capitalized of justice. God said revenge, vengeance is mine. So if you get out of the way, I can take care of it. But if you take vengeance, I don't have anything left. You've stolen from me. And then I'll just finish with some practical guidelines for forgiveness. There's so much more here, but I think the Holy Spirit's got plenty to work with. Don't put people on pedestals. Don't make people into super people. I'm going to let you in on a secret that's not such a secret, and that is human beings will fail you. Human beings will disappoint you. If I haven't disappointed you yet, just wait. I will. 
I'm not planning on it, but I've got this humanity. Don't put people on pedestals because they can't live up to it. And you've heard this before, but this is so true. You can't, everybody say cannot. You cannot be disillusioned unless you first have an illusion. There's no disillusionment unless you've already created this illusion of how things are, how things ought to be, or how that person ought to be, or what, what level that they should live at, and they should never make a mistake. And when they make a mistake, your illusion is shattered. You're now disillusioned. Don't put that on people. Another one is to forgive people, but don't try to change them. Okay, husbands and wives, listen real close. We've got to forgive people. We've got to forgive husbands and wives, one another, but not try to change them. Lord, help me. Now, in some cases, I'm not talking about husbands and wives, by the way. In some cases, you shouldn't continue to be around people. There is an issue of, of abuse and stupidity, but that's not as often as you think. The other thing is that we have to forgive unconditionally. This goes back to husbands and wives too, but this is all of us. Don't forgive them conditionally. I'll forgive you if you'll do that. I'll forgive you if you'll stop doing that. I'll forgive you if you'll never go there again. You can't do that. That's not forgiveness. Now, there may be a, a discussion that needs to be had about behavior, and, but forgiveness can never be conditional. If you're going to set somebody free from a debt they owe you, set them free. Don't put any conditions on it. And here's one that really helped a lot of people. Overlook the small things. Choose your war. Choose your battles. Don't get all bent out of shape because they threw their clothes in the floor. Now, sometimes I used to do that. I don't do it anymore. My wife helped me understand that. I'm not going to tell you how. <laughs> the last time I told how she did that, I, some one of the older ladies got on to her. So I'm going to... Overlook the small things. Don't. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, if they don't put the toilet seat down. Anyway, that's a, there are issues, but don't make them big issues. Oh, here you go. After we forgive someone, don't bind them to past mistakes. Don't bring it up. Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm going back to Corey Ten Boone. If you've never read her book, uh, Tramp for the Lord, you should. If you don't know the story of, how many of you do not know the story of Corey Ten Boone? Okay, there's a few. Corey Ten Boone and her family were uh, in, uh, incarcerated in Nazi Germany as Jews. Um, Corey Ten Boone saw a lot of people killed, her, her family. And yet her faith in the Lord carried her through. And she wrote a great book. She wrote two books, one called The Hiding Place and one called Tramp for the Lord. And uh, she was a great saint in the Lord, and we, and we were able to benefit from her for many years. She's been long gone. But in, she, she was talking about some friends of hers who had done her, Christian friends, who had done her wrong. And they really had done her wrong. This was not in her imagination. They had, they had wronged her. Friends. And I can't read you the whole story, but she talks about how God was teaching her through this process. And she says, he, God, still had more to teach me. However, even from this single episode, many years later, after I passed my 80th 
birthday, an American friend came to visit me in Holland. As we sat in my apartment, he asked me about those people from long ago who had taken advantage of me. And I said, it is nothing. I said, smugly is what she said. It's all forgiven. Have you ever said that when it wasn't really true? By you, yes. But what about them? Have they accepted your forgiveness? They say there's nothing to forgive. They deny it ever happened. No matter what they say, I can prove they were wrong. So I went to my desk and I see I have it in black and white. I saved all their letters and I can show you. I can show you. And the friend said, Corey, aren't you the one whose sins are at the bottom of the sea? Yet the sins of your friends are etched in black and white. For an astonishing moment, I could not find my voice. Lord Jesus, I whispered at last, who takes away all my, who takes all my sins away? Forgive me for preserving all these years the evidence against others. Give me grace to burn all the blacks and whites as a sweet smelling sacrifice to your glory. I did not go to sleep that night until I had gone through my desk, pulled out all those letters curling now with age and fed them into my little coal burning grate. As the flames leaked and glowed, so did my heart. She was removing herself from an invisible shield. Forgive us our trespasses, Jesus taught us to pray, as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the ashes of those letters, I was seeing yet another face or facet of his mercy. Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. The forgiveness of Jesus not only takes away our sins, but makes them as if they had never been. She was holding her friends to their past mistakes, and she had the evidence in letters. Do you have something at your house? Binding somebody to past mistakes, something they wrote, something that happened. Do you have something, evidence of their wrongdoing? But I don't even need to tell you. We don't need to carry around with us our bags of hurts, slights, and offenses. Some people are carrying a bag off their waist that you can't see, but it's full of hurts. It's full of slights. It's full of offenses. And we can't let go of that bag until they prove that they, that they won't for, uh, repent. For what they did, let it go. Cut that, cut that cord of that bag. And finally, when we're asking for, for forgiveness, don't follow with an excuse. When we've wronged someone and we're asking forgiveness, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. But the reason I did it was, but you got to understand, you just, just ask for forgiveness. I was wrong. There might have been other conditions involved. Just ask for forgiveness. Who are you going to forgive? Some of us need to forgive our spouses. Or in the climate we're in, some of us need to forgive our ex-spouses. Some of us need to forgive our father or our mother or both. Brother or sister, both natural and spiritual. I run across a lot of people that need to forgive a former pastor 
hopefully not a current one. <laughs> but a former pastor that they feel has wronged them. You, you, you talk to them all the time. I'll never go in a church again because of so-and-so did such-and-such. They, for one thing, they've put people on a pedestal. Or a pastor's wife. I mean, we've had we've had some in our younger days we had some very negative experiences with a pastor's wife. I mean, she told us, I don't like either one of y'all. Well, we didn't like her either, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Some of us need to forgive our boss, our employer. So, well, they don't deserve it. They're not even Christians. This has nothing to do with whether or not someone's a Christian. Because who's getting free? You are. You get free. A teacher or a friend. And as I've gone through that list, you've thought of other people that you need. Some of these people, now this gets complicated. Some of these people that you need to forgive, they're gone. You can't go knocking on their door and asking for forgiveness, but you need to release the debt. You need to release that and let it go. As a matter of fact, in Mark eleven twenty five in the Amplified Bible, it says, forgive, leave it, and let it drop. Amen. That's forgiveness. Amen. I'll close with the, come on, worship team. I'll close with this little story, and then we're going to invite you to come and just say to God, I want to be free. Now, in some cases, listen, don't let them distract you. In some cases, one church I preach at, preached at has a, a stairs in the very back that the worship team comes up out of. We need that here. We'd have to have some really short people to do it, but anyway... What was I saying before I said that? What did I say? Oh, yeah. In some cases, these people are gone, and you got to set them free because you're the one getting free. There's a Spanish story of a father and son who had become estranged. The son ran away. And the father set off to find him. He searched for months and never found him. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up. Looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. People want and need to be forgiven. You need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven. I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not going to coerce anybody, but I'm going to say to you that if you've got some if you've got some chains that as I've been speaking, you realize what they're connected to, and you'd like to hear them, hear the sound of them hitting the floor, then just come. 
to the front. You can either kneel or whatever you'd like to do. Just indicating with your feet to God. And this, oh, I know what I was going to say, Sharon. Thank you. In some cases, you're going to need to go find somebody. Especially if there is that tension between you. If there is that turmoil and, and they know it and you know it, you're going to have to go find somebody and say, first of all, I forgive you. And if you've wronged them, ask for forgiveness. Get set free. The main thing is to be free. The main thing is not to carry this. When you pray, forgive. If you stand praying, forgive. There's an, there's an indicator there. Don't stifle your prayers. Don't hinder your prayers by harboring unforgiveness. So well, I've, I've been praying and that hadn't happened. Well, maybe there's a blockage in your arteries that only forgiveness can release. Now we're going to sing this song again and we're going to ask God to do it. So go ahead, worship team. Stand with me. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Let's break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Oh, to break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. 